Warning, the following podcast may contain potential plot spoilers, but then again, it may not at all. Hello and welcome to Potential Spoilers. I'm Kieran and I'm joined by Maddie D. And the Warriors did, in fact, come out to play. And if you didn't want to know that, then you shouldn't be listening to the show because that is a spoiler. It certainly is because what we do on this show, well, typically what we do on this show is we look at all the promotional material, all the pre-release material for an upcoming Hollywood blockbuster, and then we attempt to predict as much of the plot as humanly possible. And then when the movie comes out, we'll go and see it and see how close or how far we were from the actual plot. Yeah, so that's what we usually do. But this week we're doing something a little different, which we like to do on the odd occasion, where yep. we're going to create our own plot to a to a potential movie. That's right. So you've joined us on one of our special episodes. So special episode number 15. So in the last episode, we rolled a die or we rolled a couple of dies to work out what exactly we're going to be doing our very own movie version of. And last week, by the chance roll of a die, we landed on doing a remake of The Warriors. That's right. So if you're not familiar with The Warriors, if you haven't seen or heard of The Warriors, it came out in 1979 and it was directed by Walter Hill. And if you're not familiar with Walter Hill, he directed a ton of action movies in the 80s, a ton of great action movies in the 80s. The only one I can think of off the top of my head is Red Heat, that Arnold Schwarzenegger (laughs) movie where he plays a Russian. Interestingly enough, he also directed the pilot, probably the most famous episode, the pilot episode of Deadwood. Oh, really? Did you know that at all? No, I didn't know that. There you go. So, he's done some pretty interesting stuff. Obviously, The Warriors is probably his biggest project, arguably his biggest project. Well, his biggest, like, well-received project, if that makes sense. Mm, It it sort of filtered into the status of cult classic, this one. Yeah, I suppose we can talk about it a little bit, but I think it's important to point out as well that it's based on Sol Urich's 1965 novel of the same name, which I looked into for this episode. Uh, It's pretty much the same story, except there's a lot more rape in it. I'll just say that. In the book or in the movie? In the the book. There's not a lot of rape in the movie. In fact, I'd say there's none. Well, there's one character that goes to rape somebody. Yes, but he doesn't go through with it. I mean, he <laughs> goes to do it. There. The intent is there, sure, but he doesn't go through with it. Everyone, um, even the main characters go through with it in our heroes, quote unquote, in the in the book go through with it. So that's a real difference there. They're really not good guys in the novel. Yeah, I, I think in the movie, but maybe less so. Yeah. Well, if anyone's not familiar with the movie, Matty D, would you care to briefly explain what happens in the plot? Sure. So it's essentially the story of the, the Spartans that were lost in, I think, Babylon. I can't remember the actual story. Pretty yeah. much the story of 300. Yeah, that's set right. In mod- set in a modern context. There's this group, of, this, this gang that's from Coney Island, travels to the Bronx uh, to hear this speaker talk. Yep. Um, this guy that's going to unite all the gangs of, uh, I guess, sort of America or the New York City area. Yeah, and that's right. he gets shot. The Warriors, who is our main gang, gets blamed. And they have to venture back from the Bronx on foot or via train back to Coney Island. And on the way, every single gang are trying to kill them because they shot their beloved leader. I probably couldn't have explained it any more succinctly myself. Just a little bit of background on the movie when it came out. The movie was actually pulled from release after real-life gang violence erupted in cinemas, which actually resulted in the death of three people. So the movie was only out for about a week. Holy crap. But in that week as well, some a little bit of good news, in the, even though three people died as a result of it, the movie actually made double its budget in that one week. So I think it had like a uh, like a $7 million budget, and I think it made like something like $16 million within that one week. Yeah, this, this movie didn't look like it had a huge budget behind it. No, it definitely didn't. Uh, well, actually, for 1979, $7 million isn't, you know, that's not a tiny budget, but yeah, it certainly wasn't, it wasn't Indiana Jones, it wasn't Star Wars. 
<laughs> it is surprising, $7 million. I wouldn't have assumed that. No, I would have <laughs> assumed maybe 700000 something along those lines. I suppose we'll talk about it. But the movie wasn't considered a success when it was originally released. Critics panned it all over and audiences didn't really like it, except for a bunch of gang members, of course. They were the ones causing all the trouble in the cinemas. But it has since, of course, as Matt already mentioned, it's become a cult film. Quite like Rocky Horror Picture Show, which we've discussed before on this show. Yeah, and it kind of has stood the test of time, really. Yeah, everyone these days knows The Warriors. For something that they thought would just become a sort of like a forgotten mess, it's certainly still around in the zeitgeist. And it's very much, well, I suppose we'll talk about our histories in just a sec, but it's very much a seminal film for a lot of like teenage boys. It's one of those <laughs> movies you watch, once you finish watching Scarface, once you finish watching Rocky Horror, Warriors is usually next on the pile, right? That's right. Yeah, definitely. But we would be remiss if we did not mention the 2005 Warriors video game made by Rockstar Games. Uh, again, I suppose we can talk about this in our histories, but did you play this game at all? Are you familiar with this game at all? Yes. Yes, I am. It's a big part of my history with the movie because I didn't know oh, really? the movie. Yeah, I didn't know the movie at all until I played the game and loved the game. And yeah. that made me watch the movie. And I think a lot of people are similar. Yes. So they made sort of like the, the game itself is a an expansion of the movie. So the, the game covers the plot of the movie. But then you also see before the events of the movie, sort of like an origin story for the Warriors in a, in a loose way. And then I think you see a little bit after the events of the movie or stuff that we don't see on screen, at least anyway. But yeah. I suppose we can talk about our history with that when we talk don't about our histories. Don't want to spoil it for anybody, but you get to fight the uh, the rogues at the end of the game. Yeah, well, yeah, exactly. I suppose that doesn't really happen in the movie. We're here this week to talk about a potential remake of The Warriors, but in real life, there actually is a few remakes on the boil for this movie. Or at least there really? have been for a while. Yeah, exactly. So the Russo brothers, the, the people behind Avengers Endgame and Infinity War and Captain America Winter Soldier, they've said that they've been working on making a Warriors TV show, and this has been going on since 2016 so I don't know if it's actually going to happen but they can pretty much they've got carte blanche they can make whatever they want so if they really want to make it I'm sure we'll see it one day I think the Russo brothers would do a good job because they that sort of fits their style yeah I suppose so they're going to do that thing where they get like the character cards like the trading cards and spread them all over the table <laughs> like and then Ajax goes over here and then Swan goes over here and then they go like on an adventure into space to make a hammer that doesn't add anything to the plot <laughs> well well I mean like if there's a movie you could do that to it's this one I mean yeah. in the original movie they go off and do all sorts of random stuff and you're, and you're left there thinking yeah. why what, are they doing on? this how did they get here <laughs> why are they just hanging out with a bar of female gang members who aren't attacking them yet yeah Oh, well, I guess we'll discuss it when we break down our plots, but uh, I, I certainly work some of that nonsense into my movie. <laughs> now, Tony Scott as well, director of Top Gun, we've, I think we've mentioned him before on the show, he said that he was planning on doing a modern-day remake of The Warriors. This was back in about 2005, but obviously that didn't happen because he unfortunately died in the meantime. And then I think it was one of the directors of Crank, Crank 2, said that he wanted to pick up the slack and then take over Tony Scott's remake of the movie. It was either Neville Dean or Taylor, I can't remember which one. So, there is every chance we may see not one, but two modern-day remakes of The Warriors in our future. And who knows, maybe they'll hear our plots and, yeah. you know, insert a little bit of that into their movie. Oh, I certainly hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Given what I've got written down, I'd really love to see some of what I've got in this movie. Well, in the remake anyway. Yes. And if that's the case, you heard it here first. Yeah. So let's talk about our history with the Warriors. We're itching to talk about our personal histories with the Warriors. What is your history with the Warriors, Matty D? Look, played the video game, really enjoyed it. So that was then your first step into the world of Warriors. Mm -hmm. So you're introduced uh to the movie or even the, the franchise, I suppose you'd say, from the video game. 
Yeah, that's right. And uh, went and bought the Warriors DVD, watched it, loved it, thought it was great, loved the soundtrack. You know, I, I watched it at that pivotal time. What <laughs> age would you say that was? About 15? It would be my yes. guess. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yes. And um, that was pretty much the last time I watched it. I watched it recently mm. for this show last Friday and oh, watched really? it with a bunch of people. Yeah, I watched it with a bunch of people who've never seen it before. So that was an interesting experience, seeing oh, yeah? people's first reaction to it. And I can tell you that the movie is dated. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. I'm guessing I'm guessing your little viewing party didn't go down well. <laughs> no, they liked it enough. Okay, cool. I, I suppose that's a good thing. That's a testament to the movie itself. Mm. But have you read any of the Warriors spin-off comics by any chance? Nope. There are apparently Warriors comics. I can't say I've ever heard of them outside of doing research for this show, so I can't say that I've read them either. But my history, quite like you, I didn't start with the video game. Uh, one time, this is going way back, so I'm going to have to clear through the hazy fog of my memory. But I remember going around to a friend's house. This would have been the early 2000s, so before the video game was even a thing. I remember going around to my friend's house and we'd watch a whole bunch of like R-rated movies because we were allowed to, I suppose. Like I was away from home. My parents weren't going to know. You were cool guys. Yeah, we were cool guys. And we were watching stuff like Dawn of the Dead. We were watching stuff like Scarface. We were watching stuff like Robocop. Basically, like anything violent we could get our hands on. And then he had a VHS copy of The Warriors. I'm sitting there looking at the front cover. It's got that classic poster front cover where you see like all the different gang members spread out across the front cover with The Warriors. And it had that big hard R rating sitting on the front. I'm like, oh man, this movie looks awesome. And my friend was just like, yeah, I'm not really in the mood for Warriors. And then every week I was like, oh, can we watch the Warriors this week? And every time he was just like, nah, man, I'm not in the mood to watch it. So it wasn't until years later, I think it was after the video game came out and I played the video game and I loved the video game. It's still to this day, uh, like a highly rated video game in my books. And it wasn't until around that point, again, around the time I was 15, I finally went out and got a, a copy of the director's cut, which from what I understand is very similar to the original version, but I think it's probably about two minutes longer. There's no real changes worth discussing here. But then I finally got to watch the movie. And I tell you what, Matty D, my idea of the movie was almost completely different to what the movie actually was. Oh, really? You didn't like it? Well, I'll tell you this. I didn't love the movie, and I still to this day don't love the movie. I I mean, I think I enjoy it well enough, quite like your viewing buddies, but I still don't rate it as one of my favorite movies or even a movie that I really love because I had all these expectations from playing the video game, and I had all these expectations just from looking at the front cover as a kid. It's sort of like an early version of doing this show where I'm like, oh, I know exactly what's going to happen in this movie in my head. And then when I watch it, I'm like, oh, I wasn't right at all. (laughs) This is a terrible movie. So, you inglorious bastards. Yes. This movie for yourself. So, in my head, there's potentially a better version of The Warriors. Maybe that's in my plot. I don't know. I can't speak to that really, but I suppose that's for you and the listeners to decide. But yeah, I was always sort of disappointed by this movie. Again, it's not to say, I just want to reiterate, it's not to say that I think it's a bad movie. I definitely still enjoy it. But yeah, I've never really loved this movie just because I was disappointed from that initial viewing. Look, I think when I rewatched this movie, I had, like, you always remember the the cool bits, like yes. the cool action scenes, the bathroom fight, the, yes. the, the fight in the park, them running to cool music. When I rewatched it again for the first time in years, I was like, oh, that, you know, those scenes are few and far between. Yes, they are. It's not as violent as you remember it. It's no. not as action-packed as you remember it. And it's not as action-packed as, like, the video game was or, no. you know, it sounds like how you imagine it. Like, there's a lot of them just standing around. <laughs> yeah, chatting with each other and yelling at each yes. other. It's interesting that you bring up the violence because that's something I remembered about the movie when I first watched it. It's barely violent at all. No. I mean, it's very sort of stylized. There's a bit of sort of rough and tumble. But 
when you go into an R-rated 70s movie, you're expecting a little bit of, like, blood and gore, aren't you? No blood. Like, I was expecting to see people get their heads bashed in with baseball bats, people, like, stabbed with knives and, you know, violent sort of, like, squibs going off, but there's none of that really in the movie. Yeah, and it has a reputation of being really violent, which is yes. kind of weird because it, it isn't really, but maybe for the time it was. So I've got my copy of the DVD, the director's cut DVD, in my hand, and it's rated R. It's restricted to 18 and over because of high-level violence. And that still blows my mind. We've got a weird sort of rating system here in Australia. Anybody who's not in Australia listening to this, I I apologize. But yeah, we've got a weird rating system where it's like, you can watch things when you're over 15. uh, You need a parent at certain points. And then at other points, you're not allowed to watch it at all. I can think of movies that are basically PG-13 for our international listeners that are probably more violent than this movie. Mm. But that being said, we should probably get straight into our plots. Maybe we can make it a little bit more violent in our own terms. (laughs) Yes. Now, here's the big challenge. Which one of us is going to go first? Oh, good question. Um, So, do you want to go first? Yeah, I'll go first. Why not? Uh, Mine's a little bit long, so hopefully... I mean, I pared it down a little bit, but I kind of went off the rails writing this one, so hopefully we can get through it as fast as possible. I'll I'll sort of snip and trim some stuff out. So... My version of the movie is called The Warriors. It maybe should have been called something else after you hear the plot, but for the time being, it is just a direct sort of like Warriors remake. Looking at the poster, you would presume it's a remake of The Warriors and connected to that original film. Okay. And the director I brought in to direct my remake is Harry Hook. And I know you're thinking, I've never heard of Harry Hook, and I'm not surprised because probably the only notable thing he directed was the 1990 version of Lord of the Flies. Okay, I can see. I can see that. And I really wanted to bring some of that to this movie. So one of the things I was inspired by... Actually, no, I shouldn't talk about my inspiration until the end because I don't want to spoil anything, even though my first sentence will give everything away straight away. (laughs) All right. So the movie takes place in Walter Hill High School, also known as Hill High. Oh, no. (laughs) Somewhere in the US. So the high school is a sprawling complex that accommodates for thousands of students. You can imagine it's one of those huge high schools. You and I both grew up in a small town, so it's hard for us to imagine a huge high school. But, you know, almost everywhere else in the world has these huge high schools that accommodate for thousands and thousands of students. Can I I just right now guess what the alternative title was to this? Sure, go ahead. Was it uh, Bully or Candace Candom Edit? (laughs) It's funny you should say that because what I was going to say is one of my inspirations for this movie was Rockstar's Bully Game. Or Canis Canum Edit, Dog Eat Dog. And I also watched Brick recently as well, which, as you know, that's right. a Ryan Johnson movie, which is a, a classic film noir, which takes place in a high school. So I was just like, why not adapt the Warriors to that high school setting? I mean, the game Bully is basically just the Warriors in a high school. So it writes itself. So back to my plot. Early one morning before classes start for the day. All of the various cliques meet around the flagpoles near the entrance of the school. At the same time, we see our heroes, the keyboard warriors, (laughs) getting off the bus outside the school, whispering to each other and wondering why Cyrus, the leader of the Hill High Ducks, has asked everyone to meet before class. And I know you're thinking ducks quack quack, but it's D-U-X, which uh, I don't know if that's something they have in the US, but in my movie it is. But yeah, that's the most academically sort of like advanced student of the school. Right, ducks of the school. Or students, yeah, I should say. So their their group is the, the smartest students in the school, academically speaking, anyway. So our five keyboard warriors are made up of Savage Swan, who's played by Noah Schnapp. He was Will in Stranger Things. Ajax 48, played by Sonny Soljic. I couldn't tell you what he's from. He's a child actor. Look him up. Rembrandt, who is played by Jacob Tremblay. He was in Pixar's Luca, and he was also, I believe, Goku in my Dragon Ball Z plot. We've got Cleon the Killer, who's played by Khalil Harris. Again, a child actor. Look him up. And Vermin, played by Jack 
Dylan Grazier, who of course we talked about in Shazam and Pixar's Luca as well. I'm reuniting a lot of actors here. So if you couldn't tell from their names there, the keyboard warriors call each other by their screen names since they spend most of their free time in the library computer lab playing multiplayer games. Right. So Rembrandt is like a tag name. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's exactly right. So it's sort of a bit like uh, YouTubers or Twitch streamers where they always refer to themselves and each other as their YouTube slash Twitch name rather than their real names. And these are all, yeah, like their, their in-game character names, more or less. Or their, their, like, handles, their tags. I feel like an old man trying to explain, like, young people things. <laughs> My age is showing a little bit here. So, the keyboard warriors generally avoid the other clicks in the school. So, they're a little bit nervous about being around so many of their peers. But even so, they still join the ever-growing crowd forming around the flagpoles. Once the thousands of students have gathered, Cyrus stands up on top of a tall rock in the garden bed that surrounds the flagpoles. And by the way, Cyrus is played by Mason McKenzie, and he is a tall, handsome, well-dressed teen who everybody likes. You know those guys in high school. Yeah, like me. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, the Matty D of high school. (laughs) So, Cyrus, again, he's standing up on this rock, and he says, Can you count, suckers? I say the future is ours, if you can count. Now, look what we got here before us. We got the nerds sitting next to the jocks. We got the skaters right next to the emos. Nobody is bullying anybody. That is a miracle. And miracle is the way things ought to be. You're standing right now with thousands of students from a hundred classes and there's over a hundred more. Last I counted, there's only about 80 teachers in the whole damn school. It's probably a very poorly funded school if they've got thousands of students (laughs) and only 80 teachers. There's a shortage of teaching staff, like the schools making budget cuts. Yeah, exactly. I like to imagine that anyway. So Cyrus continues, now here's the sum total. One group could run this school. One group. Nothing would move without us allowing it to happen. Can you dig it? The crowd of students cheers, and they're all so impressed by his speech that they ignore the fact that he's using outdated slang from the 60s. <laughs> and, and Cyrus shouts again, Can you dig it? <laughs> How wholesome. Yes. And as the crowd of students gets more and more excited, we see that in the middle of the crowd, a small group of students are passing a handball from one <laughs> to another. <laughs> before it finally passes into the hands of Luther, who is the leader of the weird kids who hang around behind the bike shed. The guys that smoke weed. Yeah, exactly. Well, they're weird kids, so they look weird, no one really likes them, they smell funny. You know those guys. <laughs> like the Maddie, no. So, <laughs> so Luther is played by Finn Wolfhard. Welcome back to the show, Finn Wolfhard. Pugsley from Adam's Family. And uh, I think he was Gohan in your... Um, he was. In your Dragon Ball Z plot. So during this moment, Luther accidentally elbows Vermin, who noticed that Luther is holding the handball. That's going to become important later on. As Cyrus has his hands in the air, encouraging the students to cheer, Luther pegs the ball as hard as he can at Cyrus, and the handball hits Cyrus square in the nuts, causing him to drop to the ground in pain, like the Joker. That is painful. I can detest to that. Yes. Everyone starts screaming and throwing things at each other, and at the same time, a group of teachers arrive to start work for the day, presumably, giving everyone detention who they can get their hands on. So they run and start grabbing kids. You got detention. You got detention. (laughs) Kids start running in every direction, and the keyboard warriors run off and hide out in the sports equipment shed. So we cut to the principal's office, where we see Luther and some of the other weird kids standing in front of the vice principal's desk. (laughs) They're in trouble. Vice principal Goodman, played by John Goodman, of course, because he has to be in my plot. Why? (laughs) He's back? (laughs) Yes. He leans forward and says, I hear you boys saw who hit Cyrus. Luther grins and says, yes, it was the keyboard warriors, those nerds who hang out in the library computers. And Vice Principal Goodman picks up his phone and simply says, make an announcement. So over the school PA system, we hear the familiar voices of Kieran and Maddie D. Hey! 
who are in charge of making the daily announcements. So sort of like those two people in Greece, if you remember that. Yes. They've got like the PA announcements, so they tell everyone like what's coming up in the school calendar and what's for lunch and all just the various sort of like come to the office sort of announcements. So after Maddie D has told everyone about the upcoming swimming carnival, Kieran reads out the real names of the keyboard warriors and says that they need to come to the principal's office right away. Maddie D turns to Kieran and says, what did they do? And Kieran tells him, oh, apparently they hit that poor young James Cyrus in the nuts. But Kieran and Maddie D don't realize that they've left their microphones on. So now the whole school knows. <laughs> Typical us. Yes. Something we've done before in the past in our old radio days. <laughs> yes. So back in the equipment shed, the keyboard warriors decide that they should wait until classes start and then make their way back to the library where they'll be safe under the watchful eye of the friendly librarian. But as soon as they step out of the equipment shed, they are confronted by the school baseball team, the Hill High Furies. (laughs) The Furies threaten to beat them up with baseball bats and chase the five warriors around the oval, before our heroes finally slip into a faculty building. The keyboard warriors have to sneak through the halls, ducking under windows to avoid being spotted by teachers and students alike. They duck into what they think is an empty classroom, but it turns out to be where the chess club is meeting. (laughs) The members of the chess club threaten to dob in the Warriors, but even the Warriors are tougher than the kids from the chess club, so they agree to keep quiet. So they're the orphans. Yes, they are the orphans. They are then interrupted by a lone goth girl who has been quietly sitting in the corner chewing bubblegum. Her name is Mercy, and she's played by McKenna Grace. Welcome back to the show, McKenna Grace. She was in Ghostbusters Afterlife, which is coming out very shortly, and she was also in Captain Marvel, and I believe she was in... I think she played young Forrest Gump in your Forrest Gump special episode. I think she did, yes. And she is that weird girl that nobody likes who skips classes and drinks white wine from her water bottle. (laughs) She's like MJ in Spider-Man. Yes, yeah, exactly. Except people don't like her. So Mercy calls the chess club kids cowards and tries to encourage them to fight the Warriors. The chess club kids want to impress Mercy, so they all start throwing chess pieces at our gang. (laughs) The keyboard warriors use their backpacks as shields and run out of the room. As the warriors continue down the hallway, they notice that Mercy is now following them. When they ask her why, she shrugs and says they're a lot more interesting than the chess club kids. I don't know why she was hanging out with them in the first place. Maybe they just didn't mind that she was around while everyone else just sort of scares her off. She could like chess. Yeah, possibly. The keyboard warriors decide to duck into the boys' toilets to take a break, and Mercy waits outside because she can't go in there. Oh, here we go. As they, wash, as they wash their faces and drink from the sinks, the warriors are disrupted by five emo kids who come out of the toilet stalls smoking cigarettes. Is one of them on rollerblades? Sure, why not? Emo kid on rollerblades. That <laughs> would be more entertaining. The warriors, knowing that they can't escape, throw down their backpacks and charge at the emo kids. Now we have a quick and brutal fight scene where kids' faces get slammed into mirrors and one of the warriors almost gets his face forced into a toilet, but he's saved at the last minute by Savage Swan, who gives the emo kid a wedgie. Just like it's Bully or something like that. (laughs) The warriors leave the toilet and find that Mercy has been surrounded by a group of girls wearing skimpy school uniforms, known as the Sluts. And the Sluts... This is a real group of girls at my high school, by the way. No offence to anybody who may be listening. They they called themselves the Sluts? No, but we did. (laughs) The Sluts pull at Mercy's hair and make fun of her appearance, and the warriors try to walk past unnoticed. But the leader of the Sluts spots them and screams, There's the kids who hurt Cyrus! and they all start shrieking and scratching at the warriors. The warriors pull out cans of deodorant from their backpacks and spray the sluts in the face, who in turn retreat. I was expecting a different turn there. I thought they were going to use flame and deodorant. Yeah, I did think about that, but I'm like, that's a little too violent and a little too mean for this sort of setting. But, you know, if I was if I was a bigger man, I might have done that. So speaking of, after the fight, Mercy approaches Savage Swan and offers to give him a kissy, but Swan <laughs> tells her that he doesn't want to get herpes. <laughs> 
Just wanted to point out as well that at this point in my plot, I had a scene with a food fight in the cafeteria, but I cut it for time because otherwise we'll be here all day. So we continue on. So we get to see that comic book transition panel that we saw in the director's cut DVD. If you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about, where they, you're like, they've cut out something, obviously, and they need to fill in time. So as they continue down the hallways, Vermin finally tells the warriors that he saw Luther throw the ball at Cyrus and suggests that they dob him into the vice principal. But the warriors know that they don't have any proof since it's their word against Luther. But Ajax has a plan. He tells the other warriors to hide out in a nearby janitor's closet and he rings the fire alarm. As all the students and teachers start to evacuate the classroom, Ajax yells out, It was me! I hit Cyrus in the nuts! And he's immediately dragged away and suspended. Aw, poor Ajax. Yeah, well, at least he wasn't a rapist in this version. (laughs) Yeah. Now free from all wrongdoing, the warriors return to the library with Mercy in tow. But as they enter, who do they find there waiting for them by the computers? It's none other than Luther and the weird kids. And Luther starts clacking on the keyboard and chants, Warriors, (laughs) sit down and play. Warriors, sit down and play. Oh, no. And the Warriors quickly realise that they need to beat the weird kids in a game of Overwatch, which I've never played before in my life, so forgive me if I don't get it accurately here. I I sort of dance around the whole gameplay aspect of it because I've never played it. (laughs) Because you don't know. (laughs) Yeah, I'm like, that's a game kids play. We are then treated to the most intense, exciting round of a video game that anyone's ever put to the big screen. At first, the Warriors aren't sure how they're going to beat the weird kids since Ajax48 was one of their best players. But it turns out that Mercy is excellent at Overwatch. In fact, she calls herself Mercy after one of her favourite characters from the game. Yes, there is a character in Overwatch (laughs) called Mercy. What a massive coincidence. I was so proud of myself. Did you research? Yes. With her help, the keyboard warriors easily defeat the weird kids. After their game wraps up, the library is then flooded by hundreds of students, including Cyrus himself. Maybe he has like an ice pack cradle to his plums. (laughs) And it turns out that someone recorded the whole ball-throwing incident and ball smacking incident on one of their mobile phones and the footage clearly shows Luther throwing the ball at Cyrus. Of the course. S- the students all drag the weird kids outside where everyone takes turns at throwing balls at their nuts. So they do that like <laughs> that branding thing. You remember that branding game from high school where everyone would line up against like yes. the brick wall and you had to, yes. what was the deal? Like you had to throw the ball and if you miss it, then you had to run the, to the wall and touch it and come back and everyone gets a chance to throw the ball at you. Was that how yes, it worked? Right. Yeah. I think you had to throw the ball. Sorry to diverge here. I'm trying to remember now. I think you had to throw the ball and it had to bounce off the wall and you had to catch it. But then if you didn't catch it, that you had to run to the wall and back. Yeah. If you missed the catch or if you fumbled it, uh, you would have to run to the wall and everyone could throw the ball at you. Yeah, that's right. So it's sort of like that, except it's more like a firing squad. The the poor weird kids are sort of lined up against the wall. They had to keep their hands on their heads and everyone throws balls at their nuts. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to say that we didn't do that at high school. Me neither. So as the final bell rings, signalling the end of school for another day, the keyboard warriors walk onto the bus and it drives off into the sunset and we hear the classic version of In the City on the soundtrack, which of course was the end credits song from the original movie, as the credits roll. Are we playing that, Kieran? Are we playing that on the school intercon system? Yeah, sure, why not? (laughs) I like to imagine it has the exact same soundtrack from the original movie because I love that soundtrack. It's such such a a good good soundtrack. soundtrack. Yes. So I imagine it's just basically like some of it is shot for shot, but of course done in a high school with the same soundtrack. I think it would work really well. And that, of course, was my Warriors plot. 
Well, there you go. You've uh, you've bumped it down uh, to like a, a PG movie. It's like yeah. almost Diary of the Wimpy Kid level. Yeah, sort of. Except the the bathroom scene was a little bit more violent because I said <laughs> kids' faces got smashed into mirrors. That just shocks people. Yeah, and sure, maybe the uh, the sluts might scratch them up a little bit. I'm imagining mm. a few people have a few bruises by the end of the day, <laughs> but nothing too severe beyond a suspension. Well. That was terrible, but I enjoyed oh, it. Come on, man. <laughs> I had a great time writing that. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. It's probably better than what I've got. All right, Matty D, now that you've trashed mine, let's see what you've got. Let's let's do it. So, I kind of went in a similar direction to you. Not, oh, not too, too similar, similar I hope. No, no, no. But when I was watching this movie with, uh, with a new audience that had never seen the movie, what struck me is, you know what? This is a dated movie, so let's, let's bring it forward a little bit. Let's modernize it. Let's make it so you know, a today's audience can really appreciate what's going on. Right. So that's the kind of direction I went in. So my, my movie is called The Warriors, like you. Yep. Um, I recently watched The Suicide Squad, actually yep. straight after The Warriors. Oh, so there I you made- go. Did you change your plot after you saw the movie? <laughs> no, no, I didn't. But I made James Gunn the director because of that. Oh, there you go. And as far as music's concerned, because I think the music is such a huge part of this movie, I decided to uh, put in whoever did the Blade Runner the most recent Blade Runner movie soundtrack, put him in there Hans as Zimmer. the guy who's doing this music. Was it Hans Zimmer? It was, it was Hans Zimmer. Zimmer. <laughs> <laughs> then this is back. the second time you've had Hans Zimmer in one of your special episode plots. <laughs> well, he's doing all the soundtracks, so yeah. let's do him for this one. Oh, great. All right, so let's get into my plot. So this is going to follow very similar to the original movie. We're going to see all a bunch of flamboyant Wait, wait, things. hold on, hold on. I've just got to stop for a second here. Hmm. In a previous episode, you said that you hated the soundtrack to the new Blade Runner movie. <laughs> why, why are you getting him in to ruin your movie? I, I just feel... <laughs> I, I, uh, oh, okay, in all fairness, a lot of people really like the Blade Runner 2049 yeah, soundtrack. I'm, just I'm because we didn't doesn't mean that everyone else didn't, so... yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm giving the people what they want. You know, I'm pandering. Okay. In fact, that's going to be a theme okay. <laughs> to my plot. <laughs> so, I think that's a theme of most of your plots, but still. <laughs> As I was saying, uh, it's going to start very similar to the original movie. I wrote this straight after I watched the actual movie, so it pretty much follows beat by beat. Yep. But we're going to see a bunch of flamboyant groups, they're gangs grouping together and traveling to meet uh, up in a point in the Bronx. Yep, a big um, park. Mm, yeah, in a park. Uh, you know, this is a remake after all, so it's following the exact same beats there. In between this, we'll be introduced to the Warriors, that's our gang, mm-hmm. talking with each other. Now they are, they are, on, playing- are they on a train like in the original movie? Yeah, they're, they're in a train, but just like in the movie, we see them talking to each other as they're, you know, switching between transporting to, yeah. to the Bronx from Coney Island. It's one of my favorite so, bits from the original movie. Mm, it was. It's great. Don't need to change it. So, our Warriors are played by Harry Styles, oh, who great. is playing Swan. Yep. From uh, One Direction fame, of course. From from One Direction fame. Zane playing the hot-headed Ajax <laughs> okay. from One Direction fame. Yep. Uh, Lewis Tomlinson playing the innocent Rembrandt from One Direction yep. fame. And let me guess, and, and there's Niles. <laughs> and Liam Payne. Okay, Payne, of course. Playing the sex-obsessed Vermin. Okay, yes. And, of course, their fearless leader, Cleo. Cleon, sorry, yeah, played Cleon. by Simon Cowell. So wait, so Niles isn't in your Warriors group at all? Is Niles in One Direction? Yes, he is. I thought there was four of them. No, there's five. <laughs> well, he can be the guy with the black curly hair. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> I didn't realize that. So that's our Warriors. So, so they're all discussing the main point of the movie, the fact that they're going to see Cyrus, who will show them something that will reunite all the gangs and the entire world together. 
the Warriors express their concerns and as well as their character quirks. So, for example, we see Verlin talking about the ladies. Rembrandt is the graffiti artist who's nervous about venturing out into the world and he needs to be cared for. And Ajax just thinks everyone's a wimp. And Swan is stoic and assertive. And we'll see the map where they're- And Niles isn't there at all. (laughs) Niles is just hanging there. Yeah. He's one of those (laughs) nameless background warrior people who doesn't have any lines. Yes. Yes. And we see the map where they're venturing via train and they're going from their turf in Coney Island to the Bronx. Yes, we're staying that close to the original. Finally, they arrive at a McDonald's playground. Oh, there we go. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, because we need to modernize it for the kids. Yeah. And here we'll see a giant projector. And all the colorful gangs, which will be introduced as the movie goes on, gather in front of it. Mm-hmm. So Cyrus, played by, of course, Jaiman Honsu. Yep, you mentioned him last episode, so that was spoiled for me. <laughs> I have to deliver. Uh, gives an inspiring speech about how different gangs are meeting together. He'll say yep. that the Karens are standing next to the incels. <laughs> okay. The yoga instructors with the TikTokers. Yep. The woke with the Republicans. The woke with the broke. <laughs> the work with the broke. He'll he'll also ask them if they can dig it, and of course yep. they all say yes, we can. This would have landed so much better if I didn't already do it in my plot. Isn't that <laughs> isn't that the worst? <laughs> and of course he calls them all suckers. Yeah, can you so- count suckers? <laughs> so Cyrus will tell them that he's going to show them a movie that will u- unite them all. And instead of everyone fighting with each other, they'll all align of how incredible this movie is. Okay. He then hits the remote of the, for the projector and announces they're all going to watch the new Disney slash Marvel movie before it has been released. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Which one is so, it? Shang-Chi? Eternals? Well, that's the thing. We don't know. We're not going to see the actual movie. Okay. We're just going to know it's a, it's a Disney Marvel vehicle. So everyone will watch it. We won't see the actual film, but we'll see the gang's reaction. So people are crying. People are cheering. <laughs> okay. right? the gangs are holding each other. It's very emotional. But a sinister plan is afoot. As Cleo, remember played by Simon Cowell, the guy who... Yep. <laughs> created it's Cleon, by the way, not Cleo. <laughs> Cleo? Cleon. Yeah. He's going to die soon anyway. Oh, good. Um, he's sitting down. A by the way, this isn't of- the first time that Simon Cowell's appeared in one of our movies. Where was he before? So he wasn't in one of our special episode plots, but he was in Scoob. Oh, yeah, he was too. Yeah. So welcome back to the show, Simon <laughs> Cowell. Cleon is sitting, de- is sitting down. One of our... Uh, a member from the gang, the Rogues, reaches into his pocket and steals his phone. Oh, no. And this gang member passes it to all the other Rogue members. We get a vi- similar visual to the previous movie, but where instead of it being a gun, it's a phone. Or a handball. Finally- yeah, or a handball. And it finally gets to the leader, Luther, played by Logan Paul. Oh, there you go. He I was has- hoping it would be like someone else from uh, American Idol or, or whatever it was that uh, One Direction were from. No. Pop no, stars, that, whatever that show was. I think he has the acting chops for this, old Logan Paul. X Factor, I don't remember. So he gets onto Cleon's phone, he opens it up, he opens up his Twitter actually and starts furiously typing. Mm-hmm. When the movie ends, everyone cheers and agrees that the latest Disney slash Marvel movie is a masterpiece. Is yet another masterpiece. And yeah. traditional and moving and fun and emotional and a masterpiece. Yep. And everyone loves it. And Cyrus asks if they all dig it. And of course, they love it. Suddenly. <laughs> did you dig it? <laughs> <laughs> yes, we did. <laughs> suddenly, though. Suddenly, Cyrus looks at an alert on his phone. And it's oh. from the Warriors official Twitter page. From <laughs> okay. Cleon, particularly. And it's saying that the movie wasn't that great. And The CGI was, was kind of dodgy. 
It suffered from the no, same flaws. Like says- the, the villain was forgettable. <laughs> it just culminated in a huge CGI battle that surrounded like a huge hole in the sky, which like with a world-threatening portal. <laughs> Nothing too harsh. She just said, no. "Look, I didn't enjoy it. It wasn't for me." That's that's the that's the tweet. Yeah. But shocked at such a blasphemous statement, Cyrus <laughs> has a heart attack and dies instantly. <laughs> oh no. His gang looks at the post, so they all his gang comes and looks at the phone, and which causes all the other gangs to look at their phone and realize what's just been tweeted out. They're so and offended. Luther pops his head, <laughs> yes, and Luther pops his head from the crowd and goes, "It was the Warriors. They didn't like the movie. The Warriors sent the tweet. They killed Cyrus." Suddenly, the police appear because screening a movie without a ticket or a streaming service is a serious crime. That's so right, especially scans. one that hasn't been released yet. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So everyone, and you know what's going on in the world, like with all these lawsuits and stuff. So everyone, everyone runs. And now they've come yeah, to no- arrest everyone for breaching COVID sort of restrictions. <laughs> you know what I thought that I thought maybe it might have been a COVID thing. Yeah. But, you know, we don't want we don't want COVID to be in in the movie. We we want we want an that's escape, right. right. Yeah, that's right. The leader. Cleon is jumped and elbowed to death by the Riffs, who are the lead gang. <laughs> elbowed to death. <laughs> that's what happens in the movie. Yeah, that's right. They have this like weird sort of kung fu elbow move that they use to kill people. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. So now the Warriors are on their own, having to get back to Coney Island. There's a dispute between Ajax and Swan of who the leader of the group should be, but everyone agrees that no one really cares for Ajax, and Swan is the real breakout star. Yeah, of course. Remember, he's Harry Styles. Tessa Thompson will appear as the voice of Twitter. Oh, really? So, picture this, Karen. Yep. We're going to see speech bubbles appear, and she's going to just read them in her sultry voice. She's going to say, hey, tweeters. (laughs) No, actually, what she's going to say is, retweet from the Warriors. This is disgusting and so wrong. Make sure they don't get back home. Hashtag cancel Warriors. I like it. I like this a lot. So, Swan decides to order an Uber, but the meetup point is in somebody else's turf. Oh, Oh, no. no. Who's turf? (laughs) I'm going to tell you who's turf in a second. Okay. They decide to brave it. And as they go through, they're confronted by another gang called Gen Z. Oh, great. Yeah. The Zoomers. Not the orphans. No. But Gen Z. Yep. Gen Z are appalled that there was a meeting without them. <laughs> and they say, if there was a party, surely someone would have invited Gen Z. No, they're not on social media. They're not on like modern social media. So they didn't get the memo. <laughs> and to prove to the Warriors that they have a really good reputation. They show the Warriors their TikTok page, which has 40 followers, which leads the Warriors to patronizingly say, wow, you guys are a big deal. (laughs) So Gen Z is about to let them through before Mercy, played by Ana Diamas, the love of my life, appears and cucks them out for being wimps. Yeah, so you got Tessa Thompson and Ana Diamas, the two loves of your life in one movie. (laughs) Yes. If if Margot Robbie appears as well, I'm not going to be surprised. So, Gen Z changes their mind and says that they'll only let the Warriors through if they feature on their Snap story. Mm-hmm. And the Warriors say, yeah, we don't do that. <laughs> uh, and they decide to charge through. When Gen Z arcs up, they throw a Molotov cocktail. Yep, just like in Gen the movie. Z flosses away. <laughs> they default dance off into the distance. <laughs> yes. Mercy decides to hang with the Warriors because because she's sick of Gen Z. Yep. But unfortunately, the Uber, because it's waiting for too long, cancels on them. So, they're on their own again. The gang goes through rival gang to rival gang, whilst Denzel Washington barks orders to the rest of the riffs. And Tessa Thompson gives updates. Who, of course, appeared in one of our movies before he was in The Little Things. (laughs) Yes, of course. I like that we've all got our all-star, like we've just got all-star casting in our our special episode plots these days. We're pretty much all Adam Sandler, right? Yeah, that's right. So, they end up in a park. 
and they meet another gang called the Podcasters. Jeez, mm. I wonder who's going to appear in this gang. <laughs> well, I'll tell you. They're led by Joe Rogan. Right. Off. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Mark Maron. Yep. Um, of course, Kieran and Maddie D. Yep, of course. And we'll we'll throw Ethan from their H3H3 podcast. Why not, Ella? I wanted to make it all white guys, but I'll include them. Yeah, why not? They're podcasters. And so a fight scene breaks up where the Warriors are beaten or the where the Warriors beat us up with bats. Great. <laughs> Probably. So they've, all, they, we, they've all got microphones. They're swinging their microphones around like <laughs> nunchucks. <laughs> yes. Joe Rogan's trying yes. to explain to them about, you know, transcendental meditation or whatever shit he's into. <laughs> yes. Solitary about tanks. Aliens. Yeah, talking about aliens and how, like, horse tranquilizer or whatever he took cured COVID. <laughs> they manage to escape from this. Uh, and all along their venture, they get lured into a bar by a group of women. By Kieran but and Maddie D. revealed to be a female gang called the Charlie's Angels. Ooh. Made up of Kristen Stewart, Naomi Scott, Ella... Banksy and Elizabeth Banks. Oh, so Ella Belinska wasn't invited? That's what I said, right? You said Ella Banksy. That's what I meant. <laughs> Poor Ella Belinska. I wanted to include the Charlie's Angels in Yeah, this. why not? Great episode. Again, the Warriors manage to escape by the skin of their teeth. They end up in a bathroom and have a fight scene with another gang called the Problematics. Yep. Made up of Kevin Spacey, <laughs> Donald Trump, yeah. Harvey Weinstein, Amanda Heard, Alex Jones, and... Joe Rogan, he's part of this gang too. He <laughs> he's in both gangs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, but only part time here. Yeah, part-time. of course. We see him again. Ajax decides once they get out, once they fight their way out. Ajax decides he's going to go solo, but no one ever hears from him again. <laughs> Much like in reality, yes. The warriors oh, I get come it. close to getting. Yes, the warriors come close to getting caught by police and other gangs, but always manage to escape. Mercy and Swan will have some tender romantic moments, mm-hmm. and back. At the Riff headquarters, professional boxer Jake Paul enters and tells Denzel Washington who actually sent the tweet. Now, the gang arrives back in Coney Island, but so does Luther and the Rogues. Luther gives his famous come out and play line. The Warriors gear up and oh, they let's, go to the... I already did it. We've got to hear your uh, rendition. Come out to play. Yeah. Et cetera, et cetera. Not bad. What do you mean? I didn't hear any sort of bottles on your fingers clicking there. Oh, sorry. I don't have any bottles here. Uh, I, oh, wait, I can, I can recreate it for you. I can recreate it. I'm, I'm prepared. <laughs> got the bottles. Warriors! I'm just using Not two coffee cups. I'm using two coffee cups, by the way. <laughs> sure it is. Sure it is. So they go to the beach. Back to my plot. They go to the beach. They're set to have the final face-off. Swan asks Luther why he sent that tweet. And Luther says, I don't know. I just like doing stuff like that. Suddenly, the rifts appear and in big numbers. They tell the warriors that everything's cool with them and they found the people they're looking for, indicating to the rogues. Denzel and the other rifts open up their phones and start unfollowing <laughs> and the rest of the rogues, leaving Luther to wince in pain as if he just got stabbed. Yeah. The warriors then get to walk into the sunset knowing their credibility has been restored. Tessa Thompson voices a tweet of apology. She says, sorry, warriors. We're in a different place right now. We've all grown through this experience. This is the hardest video slash tweet slash statement I've ever had to make. And she'll play us out with a badass song. Oh, yeah? Is it In and The City? Just like in my version? Sure, why not? The Hans Zimmer version of In The City. Oh, great. What would that sound like? Jeez. So there you go. That's my plot. There we go. Wow, very nice. 
I do like this balance between our plots of like sometimes we dance on the nice edge of like a good idea and a like a stupid idea. And I think we always manage to bring home the bacon by just balancing, you know, it's a fine balancing act of, of, of course. Taking those two concepts and, and going over the finish line. Yeah. So there we go. There was our two The Warriors remake plots. So if you, the dear listeners, have any theories or ideas on what should happen in a Warriors remake, do you even think there should be a Warriors remake? Does the movie deserve to be remade or should it stay the way it is? You can Good let questions. us know at several places. You can send us an email at potentialspoilerspod at gmail.com. You can find us on our social media pages, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Or you can just simply leave us a comment on this episode's page on our Podbean site. That's potentialspoilers.podbean.com. Let us know who you thought had the better plot. Which one would you yeah. prefer to see on the big screen? So before we wrap it up for another episode, let's talk about what we're going to be discussing next week. And of course, as is standard, we're going back to another installment of actual spoilers where we go back and look at a movie that we've covered in the past to see how close we got to the actual plot. And we were due, of course, to talk about The King's Man, but of course, we're not going to be covering that because that movie still hasn't come out. Doesn't exist. I don't think it's ever going to come out, to be (laughs) honest. And we covered that movie two years ago. Oh, so long. Two years ago, ago, and it still hasn't come out. So at this stage, they're saying December, but I'm still not hopeful. Yeah. I don't even know if people are still hyped for that movie. I don't think so. I'm not. They built up a lot of hype around it around the point when it was supposed to come out originally. And then, yeah, they haven't done anything to promote it. I think they recently did a new trailer where they had some, you know, footage of Rasputin saying, you know, I like to do business either after I fucked or my belly's full. And uh, Ray Fiennes says, well, good thing we're just about to have dinner then. (laughs) So maybe they can drum up some more excitement before that movie comes out. But yes, we were supposed to do an actual spoilers episode on that movie. But since it hasn't come out, we're going to move up the schedule and cover a movie that has come out. And that movie is Bloodshot. Oh, jeez. I've I've not been looking forward to this one at all. Really? Yeah, I started watching Bloodshot and quit because it was bad. Wow. Okay. I think that says a lot about your thoughts on the movie. But yeah. If you're excited to see Vin Diesel in a movie, helming a movie again, if uh, F9 wasn't enough to quench your thirst, yeah, you can you can revisit his uh, Starmic vehicle, I'm calling it, Bloodshot, which I think is a movie that came and went and nobody saw. Yes. So, until we come back to see how well we did with Bloodshot. Until then, uh, have a great week. Can you dig it? Can you dig it? Can you dig it?